four friends, three states, two time zones, one shared passion. Welcome to the Sunday Drive, where we hit the fast lane and discuss our favorite drives from the racetrack, the court, and the ball fields. We are four lifelong friends who grew up around racing and a love of professional and collegiate sports. Today, we are bankers, investors, professors, and entrepreneurs, but our love of sports has never changed. Come listen for the fun, gain some insight, and probably a few laughs as we give you our perspective on those last lap lead changes, game-winning scores, and franchise players. We are The Sunday Drive. Welcome, everyone, to episode 25 of the Sunday Drive podcast. I'm John. I'm here with my normal Formula One co-host, James. How's it going? It's good, man. It uh, feels kind of weird. This is probably the earliest in the day we've ever recorded a podcast. Uh, and here's some birds chirping, so this is a nice change of pace. I know it's so bright outside, it's almost blinding, but uh, <laughs> we're us night owls out there, but... Yeah, so we're we're a little bit uh, later than normal this week. Uh, both of us have had pretty crazy weeks with family and and work stuff going on. So glad to, to finally get back in the studio and and knock out this review. It was uh, a pretty interesting race. So, um, I guess let's go through just real fast on uh, just the mechanical upgrades that happened. Uh, I'll breeze through these real fast. So. Mercedes brought new engines to all their teams. Uh, turbos, we had uh, all the Mercedes drivers got new turbos, including Vettel and Leclerc. Um, MGUHs, we had Vettel, Leclerc, Hamilton, and Botas uh, all got new motor generator generator units. Uh, energy stores, we had Verstappen, Gasly, Hulkenberg, Ricardo, Norris, and Kafiat. Um Control units, the Sapping, Gasly, and Kafiat all got those. Um, and then, even though some of these guys are getting close on their their allotment for the year, there was no grid penalties as a result of that. So pretty much everyone bring in some fresh new designs um, and new parts to to the track. So uh, you know, everybody it's a power circuit, so everybody wanted to bring their best stuff, I guess. Yeah, some of them uh, had a little bit of success with the new parts, and some of them. Not so much. <laughs> yeah, which we'll get to in a second. Um, so did you have a chance to watch uh, FP1? I did. I was able to watch FP1 and 2. Um, besides the, the track being dirty as all get out, um, you know, they built that new paddock there, which it, it desperately needed. I was, as we talked about last week, I was in Montreal last year for the race, and that was the one thing I noticed, even though I was nowhere close to it. Um, but you could tell from a distance that that building was – severely aged and, and probably about 20 years overdue for needing a new one. So they've got that nice sh- shiny building in there, but man, that construction dust, uh, it was unbelievable. Basically every single session was just dirt flying everywhere. Yeah, for sure. And then even as the cars were um, breaking in the track, it's like outside that racing line just maintained a, a thick layer of dust. It seemed throughout the weekend. Yeah. That was one of the reasons why, it was a little bit difficult to, to put a whole lot of stock in the times um, from practice session, just because you knew as dusty as it was and as green as the track was, every session would be improving as we go. And, and the track would change drastically from one session to the other, which may benefit some cars and not so much others. So anyways, um, I guess kind of the, the bigger talking points on that one, which we talked about last week was um, Latifi getting his first opportunity in a modern 2019 Formula One car uh, in the Williams. He was in uh, Kibitz's ride for FP1. Uh, what did you think about his day? Um, you know, it seemed like a decent drive for somebody um, in that sort of vehicle for their first time. Um, didn't blow me away, but I think it would be pretty impossible to get blown away by any driver in a Williams um, this year. Um, and I think – what did you say? He how far did he did he finish behind Russell at the end of the day? He was only two tenths behind Russell, so it, it well, that's not too bad considering that he hasn't been in the car before and that car is an absolute handful of drive. I I, I wonder if their simulator is designed to suck as bad as their actual car, <laughs> like, or if that throws them off. Like he it, things are driving pretty well, and then he gets in the actual car and he's like, "What the heck is this? Yeah, <laughs> this is different." Um, and then, so yeah, so that was kind of one of the big things that we wanted to talk about with, with him getting an opportunity in, in Kvyat's car, or I'm assuming in Kvyat's car, 
is, you know, the does Kibitza have what it takes to last through the season? Uh, obviously, Latifi is leading the F2 championship. I would imagine him personally would want to finish that out and fight for that championship. But, you know, if they always call, then I think you got to you got to take that call up. But oh, 100 percent. I think, uh, and granted that, you know, like we said last week, Claire is, is going to say they're on different tires and different fuel loads and everything else. But I'm pretty sure on, on, in FB2, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, uh, Kvitsa was like three tenths off Russell. So not a huge difference between the two. Um, but the track's probably a lot better to drive than uh, it was in FP1. So I don't know. Something to think about, some food for thought as uh, for a guy that's never been in that car, he potentially was even a little bit faster than a guy that's been in there all season. So, Yeah, and one, one thing I also noticed um, them talking about on the broadcast for FP1, I think it was uh, Karun uh, Shantuk that had mentioned it, but he kind of talked about how there was kind of a rumor out there that Ferrari's actually using the uh, Alpha cars um, for their higher output modes during FP1. Um, to kind of test it out for the the main squad there. Um, and he pointed out that Elf has been actually having stronger FP1s um, compared to other cars in the first – in each weekend, and then they kind of fall off the rest of the weekend. So I thought that was kind of interesting um, if if that's actually true that Ferrari is using them like that. That's smart. I mean, I'm surprised that they're not doing something similar with Haas, but then again, their relationship with Haas is slightly different. I think they've got actual yeah. money invested in Alpha versus – cost just being purely a customer base so that makes sense but yeah it's smart i you know i would i would think that mercedes would want to have something set up similar um as a getting pig but and then maybe what we go to moving forward as as especially the new rules come out in a couple years things like that so uh any other stuff from fp1 you want to talk about i know geo tagged the wall ended up having to get a new gearbox but it wasn't his race gearbox so not not a huge uh, no blood, no foul kind of thing in that situation. Yeah, besides that, I was just excited to have uh, Ted Kravitz back for the weekend. <laughs> it was nice to see Ted. <laughs> yeah. I love there's that uh, Twitter handle, where's Ted gone or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so switching over to FP2, it was um, a pretty normal uh, practice day. Some guys going off here and there, just exploring the limits as the, the track continued to, to improve with the dust. Um other than the event that I don't particularly want to talk about with my boy Lewis. Um, <laughs> yeah, we were giving each other crap earlier in the day. And um, I think that you were out on, on the lake right during FB2. So I was trying not to text you. And then I was kind of hoping you didn't notice that my boy, uh, not, you know, it wasn't wall of champions, but it was, um, it was pretty rough. Um, got a little squirrely and, and destroyed that car. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I noticed I had gotten a couple texts from you and then hadn't heard anything about that one, but my brother was for sure texting me right away when Lewis did that. So I was like, oh, real funny how this guy's not letting me know. In my defense, uh, I, I was slightly behind on my recording. So okay. I, I'd, I'd actually seen it on Twitter, but I hadn't it hadn't occurred on my broadcast yet. And um, mm-hmm. then I was kind of like secretly hoping that you were just, you did miss that part or something. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so... Um, that it was a rare mistake by Lewis. You don't see too many things like that from him often. Um, just kind of exploring the limits a little bit too much too early, uh, cranks it into the, to the, the, the wall there pretty rough. Um, and does some suspension damage and looks like they end up basically replacing the whole rear end of that car minus the gearbox. So, um, yeah, and not, it's an unusual mistake for him, but I guess these things happen, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely. And um, going into that, it seemed like Bottas was really having a strong day um, early on in FP2. I think he was on the hard tires and had set a lap time that was like three-tenths under uh, Hamilton's first fast lap on his mediums. Um, and I think it was like eight-tenths faster than Leclerc. Um, so it was it was looking like Bottas was going to control the weekend there for a little bit, but um, that changed pretty quickly, I feel like. Yeah. And, and going, since you mentioned Botas, a question for you. So on the broadcast, they were talking about this, you know, with obviously Lewis had only ran eight laps in FP2 when this uh, incident happened. And they were talking about, well, you know, it's it's not the end of the world. He can, he can get his, he can get the data from his teammates. He can go talk to, to 
Valtteri and, and get an idea as how the track's improving, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so question, if you're Valtteri, and obviously you are primarily the only other title contender this year to Lewis, um, do you maybe fudge the truth a little bit? Maybe, I mean, does, does he really give him 100% accurate answers when it comes to how the track's improving and how it feels in the car, given that this guy is his title rival and he's slowly losing ground? I, yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, kind of a, a, a pickle that Bottas would be in there because um, I think if he's thinking long-term and he wants to re-up at Mercedes at the end of the year, that it'd probably be in his interest to help out his teammate. But if he's going for the glory and, and thinking he's got a real shot at winning the championship at the end of the year, then he's kind of got to be a little more ruthless and maybe not give up all the information that, that Lewis might be looking for there. So um, that would definitely be a – an interesting pickle to be in there. Yeah, I was I was laughing because they were they were talking on the broadcast just so nonchalant, like, oh yeah, it's he'll just give up all the info. And I'm thinking to myself, like, will he? Yeah, will he really? <laughs> I mean, he'll give up some, but like will he give up all or maybe he'll he'll fudge things a little bit here and there. I don't know. That's just me thinking uh kind of this immediate picture in front of me. But anyways, so um that puts Lewis obviously behind the eight ball. Uh, Botas, as you mentioned, looked really strong. It looked like it was going to be his weekend going forward. Um, moving into FP3, what do you think about that? I only got to catch bits and pieces of uh, FP3, um, so I was kind of hoping you would tell me all about it. Oh, well, the only thing of major note was uh, Stroll's incident. So looks like he had a hydraulic leak in the rear end somewhere, uh, which then got, you know, obviously – some kind of hydraulic fluid got on something hot and uh, started creating a little bit of a barbecue effect to the rear of his car. <laughs> um, so that was the only thing of, of major note, obviously kind of messed up his FP3. Um, and it looked like they were going to be able to salvage uh, that engine. So they, they, they put in a new MGUK originally, and then it came out the next morning that apparently they reverted back to uh, the original motor. So he's, he went back um, to motor one, which was what, seven, six races in at this point. So uh, it, it kind of set him back on, on his back foot going into the weekend. But yeah, that was the only thing of major note in FP3. Yeah, I did see some of those images. It looked pretty crazy. Um, all right, so quick recap of, of qualifying. Um, I know you, you had a – I don't know if you had a chance to watch it live. I was kind of in and out as I was at the Chicago fan event um, and trying to soak in the big screens plus take in everything going on at the event. But what would you um, – well, let's just start with this. So Q1, <laughs> uh, I think as we've become a tradition, you think you've got some breaking news to tell us. Yes, once again, we have now made it 11 straight Q1 exits for the <laughs> one and only Lance Stroll, which I heard an interesting note um, the other day that this is the longest um, streak of Q1 exits, I think, since uh, Danny Ricardo actually had 11 straight to start his career, which I thought was kind of interesting. So wow. maybe there's a light at the end of the tunnel for, for our boy Lance. Yeah, hey, you know, daddy keeps pumping in money, things improving. <laughs> That's the thing, though. He has good race pace, but, damn, in qualifying, the boy sucks. So, yeah. I'm sure that uh, the Lance Stroll grandstand was not too happy when, when boy got knocked out early in. <laughs> um, I'm sure you yeah. can blame it on the uh, old engine this time, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's It probably worked out in his favor, actually, because it's, it's, it's not his driving style, apparently. Yeah. Um, all right, so going into FP2, um, that was a, a chaotic – or excuse me, qualifying two. That was a very chaotic session. Um, it seemed relatively straightforward until the very end when our boy Magnuson decided to uh, kiss the wall of champions. Um, what what'd you think of that whole situation there? Yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of some drama leading into it. Um, I was worried about my boy Max not being able to make it into Q3 there, um, came out just in time to make his last uh, quick lap there, and then, boom, K-Mag, you know, kisses the wall of champions and then skids across and really slams into the opposite side of the wall there. So uh, that was pretty wild to see. And then kind of afterwards, listening to some of the team radio uh, from Grosjean, just just being <laughs> Grosjean, um, 
guy who doesn't even seem to be Kev. worried about his teammates' health. Yeah. No. Yeah, and then pissed. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty ridiculous. Not like, is he all right? But, ah, oh, he just screwed me, you know? Like, come on, dude. I saw something somewhere that they're, like, you know, they all have uh, G registers on the car. Um, and it's, it's something like it spiked at, like, 56 Gs when he hit, when he made contact to that second wall. Um, Whoa. The onboard, I've watched it a couple of times. There's like a rear facing onboard camera that was posted by F1 on, I think on Instagram. And mm-hmm. it's just like, especially when you turn the sound up, it's like, it's cringing how strong that impact was. I mean, it looked bad on TV, but when you add the, the onboard sound, it's just like, oh, dang, you can just hear the crunch. Yeah. Um, but, all right, so going back to Red Bull real fast. Do you blame them for going out on the mediums and trying that first? Obviously, Mercedes and Ferrari both did it and made it happen. Um, but neither did – I can't remember if Gasly went out on the mediums to start. But I know Vestapen did and was not fast enough to um, to move into Q3. So that's why he came in, put the softs on, and was on a flyer when all this Magnus and stuff happened. Yeah, you know, I think uh, that's kind of how Red Bull has to play it, though. You know, they're not going to keep up with pure pace um, with Ferrari and Mercedes. So they kind of got to get creative with the strategy. Um, so I don't blame them for trying it. Um, it just didn't work out in their favor this time. And then of course, k kind of screwed them there at the end. So I'm not going to blame them for trying that, but I mean, Gasly had a, had a really strong, he had, he had some nice practices and then a really nice qualifying session. Um, after Q2, I think he had split the Ferraris. So he was sitting in fourth. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of his, his better qualifying sessions. And, yeah, I don't I don't blame him either. Um, this would have worked out perfectly fine had Magnuson not ended up in the fence. Max was on a flyer. Clearly would have been fast enough to uh, to move into Q3 had this not occurred in, in the red flag. But um, did you, from qualifying as a whole, um, what was your kind of biggest takes going, going out of it? Um, you know, any surprises, good or bad? Yeah, I mean, I was surprised um, in a disappointing way how strong the Renaults both looked. Um, I thought they were looking pretty good. Um, I did get a little excited because it seemed like the Renaults and the McLarens looked like they were setting themselves up for a battle on Sunday because um, that looks like the main battle right now in, in Formula 1.5, as they call it, <laughs> um, which didn't really play like that in the race, which I'm sure we'll get to. But, um, yeah, I was surprised by the Renaults. It finally seemed like all the talk they've been doing um, – you know, there, there might be, there might be some truth to that. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, I mean, obviously I was a little bit shocked that, I mean, Lewis put up a heck of a lap in Q3. Um, and then the, I, at this point at the fan fest, I was ever where they were doing the track uh, or the live car demos. So I was away from the stands and I was watching on my phone, which, you know, is always delayed slightly. And all of a sudden, I hear this like this huge roar of a crowd, and I told my wife, "I'm like, what do you want to bet? Ferrari just ended up on the pole." I wasn't sure who, but I'm like, "I bet you Ferrari's on the pole." And then, <laughs> at, you know, 20 seconds later or something like that, my phone cycles through to the end of of Q3, and um, Vettel man put down one heck of a lap. Holy cow! Um, that video you sent me with the comparison between the two of their side-by-side laps was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I shared that on my, my Twitter account and it was, it was an awesome video to watch. Um, I like how they do that little graphic of the two cars next to each other, the little virtual ones, because it's like neck and neck and neck. And then anytime there'd be a little turny part, twisty part, Lewis is pulling away. And then as soon as they hit sector three, it was just like, see you later. Um, Vettel, you know, slammed on the gas, and and that was all she wrote. Yeah, it's like I don't know how Lewis was up for two thirds of that lap, and then ends up being down over two tenths when when it all is said and done. So I'm watching that video, and then yeah, they come out of that final hairpin. Vettel puts the the pedal to the metal, and it's unbelievable how fast that car gets away. The drive off the corner, and then just overall top speed. Just leaves Lewis in the dust. So that was incredible. Yeah, pretty impressive. We, we get to see that Ferrari power at work. So, um, all right, any other last uh, qualifying uh, topics for you? We're going to move, move on to the race. Uh, no, just a quick shout out to uh, Valtteri uh, being able to save his Mercedes um, from some danger there. 
when he spun out of turn two and, and somehow managed to not hit the wall and obviously oh, yeah. was part of the track there. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, and he was honestly my my other big surprise, my negative surprise at a qualifying. As you mentioned earlier, looked like it was going to be his weekend to take. And uh, based yeah. on practice, he had that spin in Q3. Can't, yeah, I agree. Can't believe he, he kept it off the wall. Obviously, that uh, rally cross driving has did him a little favor there. Um, <laughs> and then, but yeah, he, he qualified what six, I think. So mm-hmm. uh, apparently, Siri's uh, trying to answer my question for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, I was, I was, that was my biggest, I guess, negative pause for, or negative, um, kind of outcome for, for qualifying that shocked me. So, all right, so let's yeah, take anytime, a quick break. Uh... Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, anytime you know you're driving a silver arrow and you're behind Renault and Red Bull for qualifying, that's not a good sign. Yeah, yeah, seriously. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and do a very quick uh, kind of race recap, and then get in sort of the the elephant in the room uh, from from the weekend. So we'll be right back after this. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to episode 25 of the Sunday Drive podcast. Again, I'm John here with my uh, Formula One co-host, James. Uh, just got done talking about practice and some shockers from, from qualifying. So um, heading into the race, got some uh, bigger talking points, but let's, let's talk about Norris real fast. Um, have you ever seen anything like that happen? No, and, and that was real strange. Um, you know, we're watching it at Sully's house there. And uh, all of a sudden, the camera goes to Norris, and it looks like he must have smacked the wall or something because his back right uh, tire is just, like, completely bent in. And then you see some flames coming from, like, the brakes. And it's like, what the hell happened? <laughs> um, and after a little while, it I mean, I still haven't seen if, if McLaren said exactly what happened. So I don't even know if they know what happened. But it, it looks like, you know, the brakes got so hot, they caught on fire and then maybe somehow melted the suspension. I wonder, yeah, I've, I've actually been looking throughout the week to see if any official word has come out from McLaren. Um, and they've been pretty mute on, on what exactly happened there. Everything I saw from the onboards, and I've gone back and watched this race, I don't know, three or four times in the last few days, just because there was a lot of little things going on. Um, and when we watched it live, we were at Sully's house, so we were we were taking it in, partaking in some good food and good drinks. And so I want to go back and, and, and piece through all the little stuff. But I wonder if at no point does it look like he ever hit the wall. I mean, there was no scuff marks on the tire or anywhere dam- or like body damage. Um, so it either had to be the brakes got so hot that they cracked carbon fiber, which I don't know what temperature that is, but it's got to be pretty dang hot. Um, or I wonder if it was like a combination of like losing brakes and therefore going over some curbs, maybe a little bit harder than he should have. Um, and maybe the combination of the two, I don't know. I've never, ever seen anything like that happen the way this happened with just the suspension basically falling off a car. Um, and yeah, I thought the same thing. I think I hit you or something when it happened that, uh, (laughs) I thought he'd end up in the, in the fence at the wall of champions. Uh, I think all the broadcasters did as well. So Yeah. yeah, it was interesting to say the least, but, um, all right. So then, you know, we've got a few things going on throughout the race. Uh, actually, some pretty good overtakes, um, which uh, we got a little bit of coverage of that for the broadcast. Again, not as much as I wish we would from from the producers of F1. But the mid, mid-tier battle was actually pretty good. Um, you saw Botas struggling to get around the Renault, which was pretty interesting to see. Uh, our boy Ricardo got his elbows out, uh, maybe a little bit too much. Um, and there was doing... I don't know, three or four moves down down the back straight uh, to keep Botas behind him as long as he could. But some pretty interesting things, um, you know, through, throughout the race. And then we get to lap 48, and the whole entire race changes. Um, so Lewis is uh, slowly but, but uh, progressively catching um, Seb who's leading the race. They're coming up on some lap traffic. They're about that halfway point of the race where you got a couple little chicanes. Um, and Seb loses control, uh, resulting in him sliding through the grass, 
Lewis comes up behind him, tries to make a, a split-second decision because he's got all the momentum at this point, uh, tries to go down the outside. Seb regains control. There may have been a little squeeze, maybe not a little squeeze. Um, what, before we get into kind of the outcome of it, what did you think of the actual incident itself? You know, I, I've watched it many times. Uh, I've read a lot about it, heard a lot about it. And it's like all I keep coming back to is just um, disappointment for me. You know, it's it's just another incident where Vettel is in a nice position, but then starts getting pressured and seemingly can't handle the pressure and, and makes a mistake like that um, to go off track in a place that it doesn't seem like is a common place for drivers to go off track. Like, I didn't see other guys really having issues at that point. So um, all I can really think is that's just another – instance of the pressure getting to him and now granted he did a great job of, of keeping control and coming back on the track and not slamming into the wall I think that was a nice bit of driving but um just the fact that he let himself be in that position was was not good and and disappointing I think for me yeah I mean there was everyone wanted to talk about the penalty which we'll get to in a second but you bring up a good point everyone's forgetting about the fact that again Lewis or whoever was chasing Seb at the time is putting pressure, putting pressure, putting pressure, and forcing Sebastian into a mistake all on his own. Nobody touched him. You know, there was some – somebody was trying to say, well, there was some lap cars in front that maybe, like, you know, messed up his approach. But, I mean, when I go back and watch this event or this incident over and over again, yeah, they're there, and you can see them in the distance in the same shot. But it's not like he's right behind. You know, he's still yeah. like, two or three seconds behind these guys – he clearly just simply outbraked himself trying to make sure that he, he maintained momentum. And great to your point, that's not a place that most drivers are making a lot of mistakes. Now, when I drive uh, F1 2018, I, I tend to go through that grass a couple of times over the course of a 50 <laughs> lap race. But um, yeah, that's the difference between me and a pro driver. So did you think that we, we okay, so we know Vettel made a mistake coming out of the grass, what did you think about that, that whole situation? Obviously, you know, Seb even said, had he gone down the inside, he would have passed him. Um, yep. But there, I don't think that wasn't the racing line. I don't know if Lewis, he would have had to had some incredible foresight to see that coming. Um, did you think there was a squeeze there or what, what was your thoughts? Well, I think it was definitely probably the most, it was definitely the loudest and most exciting part of the race besides the start at Sully's house. Um, it definitely got people screaming and yelling a little <laughs> bit. So that was, that was fun. Um, and, and yeah, it, it's such a tough call because, you know, you, you don't really know how much control he really had because we're not the ones in the car driving it, you know, and clearly he didn't have control coming back on the track. Not only are you going over the curb, um, but you got grass on your tires and you're not going to get any traction with those. So, I know that the FIA pretty much blamed it on his last hand movement to make it seem like he was going for a block, but it's so tough to make that call for sure. Um, I think he was just trying to save himself from running into that wall. Obviously, can't blame him for that because I would have done the same thing. Um, and, yeah, Lewis obviously would have had the easy pass going on the inside. He would have needed quick reflexes, but that's kind of something that F1 drivers should have if they want to be successful is probably the best – um, reflexes maybe in all of sports so it's just it's just a tough situation overall yeah especially when we're talking about an incident that from start to finish was probably a second to a second and a half in length um, yeah. so there was an interesting video from from Julian Palmer who kind of broke down like frame by frame this whole incident and as he's coming out of the grass that does have a massive under or oversteer He's got the, the wheel full lock to the right, but even Julian said, like, that's clearly not intentional. It's clearly him just trying to save the car still at that point. He comes back, he straightens up, and then it's that last little move where you can see his helmet turns to the right, looking into the mirror, and the wheel ever so slightly goes back to the right as well, and that's where Lewis is very rapidly approaching at this point and has to hit the brakes. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I mean, again, I don't. He does the same thing that that I think any of us would have done. I think was it like like mal malice in way that it was, you know, that he intentionally tried to squeeze Lewis? No, I don't think so. 
I think your natural instinct in that situation. And again, I I've did this a couple of times last week when I, when I raced a cannon on F on F1 2018, when you go through the grass, your natural reaction is to get back to the racing line as absolutely fast as possible. You're not thinking about what's behind you at that point. So, Oh yeah. Um, it's, it's a tough call. What, so then we fast forward like, I don't know, 10 to 12 laps later and we get, um, the announcement up on the screen, which the whole Soli's house bar erupts in, uh, five second penalty for, for Seb, uh, which then Seb goes absolutely ballistic on the radio, uh, which is pretty comical to hear after the race, but (laughs) talking about the penalty itself, do you think a penalty was warranted? And if so, what do you think of the actual penalty itself, the five seconds? Like, I know there's no lesser penalty than that five second. Um, but I think, I think you said it not long after they announced it. And I, and I totally agree with you because it should have just been, you know, the FIA coming in and saying, Seb, give up that place to Lewis. And then for those last 12 laps or whatever, let's go racing. And, you know, somebody win it on the track instead of finishing the way it did. And then, you know, Seb crosses the line first and then finishes second. I just think that's not good for the entertainment value and, and good for the fans on TV, you know. Um, if it would have been give up the place, yeah, that would have sucked, but it would have made more sense because he kind of almost got that, got an advantage by going off track there because he was able to cut back in front of Lewis, causing him to slam on his brakes, lose a couple seconds. Um, so I think it would have been a lot more fair just to make him give up that place and then, hey, you got 12 laps, you're either winning or you're getting second, so let's go. Yeah, that was interesting. I mean, there was – you know, the fans were booing after the race. It was obviously a little bit weird because when Seb crossed the finish line in the race, the graphic at the top still said winner Sebastian Vettel. And yeah. then, you know, it was just like, it was a very odd experience. I don't think this has happened since, uh, I think it was like spa 2008, I think where, uh, Lewis cut the chicane and, uh, they ended up taking the win away from him in 2008. So I believe that was the last time this has happened on track where a guy has finished first but not placed first in the actual race. Um, but, yeah. I, and that, I, and that go ahead. Sorry, that that incident had to have been the first and only time that Hamilton's ever been penalized for anything on track, right? <laughs> Probably, honestly. I don't know. Yeah. There's been a couple, Golden but it, it, uh, it hasn't been many, to say the least. But, you know, the boy keeps his nose out of trouble. But there, there has certainly been incidents that, based on – the criteria that was set at Canada this last week, uh, there was clearly incidents in the past that involved both Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Bottas, and even Nico Rosberg that should have affected Mercedes drivers and been penalized. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on on Twitter talking about Lewis and at Monaco and Bottas. Uh, I think his, he had some run-ins with Raikkonen, but everybody's forgetting. I think it was Spain 2016 when Nico Rosberg decided to accidentally leave the car in the wrong engine mode and saw Lewis fastly approaching the inside and basically shut the door, but the door was already full with Lewis's car, ran them both off the track and, and destroyed both the races. So again, Mercedes escape penalty. I did take out both drivers that week, but it's interesting that clearly that was the same exact event, a mistake by a driver that forces someone to, uh, go off track. The only difference is it wrecked both cars and they both have to be, happen to be Mercedes. So, um, yeah. but it, regardless of whether you take out your teammate or not, a rule should be a rule. It should be applied consistently across the board. If that's the case, Nico still should have gotten a grid place penalty for the next race or something like that because of the fact that they were both eliminated. So I think w- as fans, we just want the rules to be applied consistently across the board. And I do think that in a in a open wheel series where rubbing is not racing, I think if you force a guy into a mistake and he misses a part of the track, then there should be a penalty. But like I said, like you mentioned, I think that they need to readdress this penalty situation to allow Lewis swap places, have twelve laps, fight it out, and let's see who wins this race. So it's a shame, yeah. but I will tell you. Um, Formula One, I, I don't know how I got signed up for these, but every single week I get surveys from Formula One asking about sponsorships and F1 TV and the broadcast, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought it was very interesting that I think it was Tuesday I got one and F1, the entire survey was on the Sebastian Vettel penalty and what we thought of it. 
So F1 is listening. They want to know what the fans think of it. Um, so I give them credit for that. At least, at least they realize, hey, it wasn't a great situation. Let's ask the fans what they would have wanted to see. And, and I put that exact thing. Swap drivers and let them fight it out. So, Yeah, 100%. Um, I think it's really cool that they're doing that. Um, and then a quick shout out, if anybody's interested in looking at some of the incidents you were referring to, um, a fellow James on Twitter, this one being an Irishman, um, his handles at JOC underscore 1991 actually posted a video of, I think, like five of the incidents that have happened in the past that are kind of similar to what happened. Um, so you can go check that out. Yeah. He, yeah, it was, it was funny. He posted, um, he was like, I have to, had to redo my notification setting because I <laughs> yeah. think he got like half a million views or something off that. So <laughs> if you haven't seen it, yeah, go check it out. He's always, uh, I know he follows us. Um, and we, we follow him as well. He's always throwing out some cool stuff. So go check out his, his video montage of Mercedes driver screwing up or <laughs> <Which> weren't <laughs> penalized by the way. Yeah. Um, all right. So the only other thing that I want to talk about with the incident, uh, cause we could probably go on, we could probably do a whole entire episode of just this one second incident. But the only other thing I want to ask you about is, um, did you, do you believe the fact that Ferrari, quote unquote, forgot to tell Leclerc that Vettel had a five second penalty because he missed second place by, I think, just over one second, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think that's total trash. Um, I, it's typical Ferrari, though. I'm sure they're just protecting Vettel because, you know, if that Leclerc would have known that, he would have pushed a little bit more, put some pressure on old Seb, and then he probably would have spun out somewhere. So, right. I guess I guess I understand why they forgot, but still stupid. And when you listen to the race broadcast, the radio, as soon as Leclerc crosses the line, they're talking about the penalty. And Leclerc says, but he still won the race, right? So clearly he knew that this was that there was a penalty and that there had been an incident. So I think Ferrari just needs to man up and just say, listen, we wanted to maximize points. We didn't want to put have either driver pushing harder than they should or, or you know, we're already a couple races in on this motor. We didn't want to crank up the motor – higher than it should have been and risk a, a reliability issue. We want to maximize points. It's the best points finish of the year for us. So we did what yeah. we had to do. I would at least respect that. Um, you know, Renault did the same thing this week with Hulkenberg and, and Ricardo. Hulkenberg was clearly faster than Ricardo, but Renault has had an awful year and, you know, they haven't had an opportunity to, to finish in the points. So I don't, I don't blame these guys for, for maximizing it. Yeah, and I think it gave me uh, one of my favorite moments of the, the year so far when Seb came out of the, uh, the hospitality suite from Ferrari, walked through the Mercedes garage, and then switched the P1 and P2 little um, stand <laughs> things they put in front of the cars. That had me laughing pretty good. Um, and then another, I think this is just another nail in the coffin, potentially, to Seb kind of walking away at the end of the year. Um, he made some kind of comments that, you know, it's just that he's kind of not a fan of where F1 is going and where it's at right now. So this could just be another push in the direction of him leaving. Yep. And if, and if that's the case, then Ferrari's really got to, you know, get their you-know-what together and, and really focus on Charles Leclerc before he says he wants to leave too. Right. If, if the rumors are true, his, his management group is already not talking to Ferrari based on recent events. So – uh, yeah, you don't want to piss off both your drivers. So no. I, I think they need to figure out what's going on over there and, and try to lock down. I think Seb is, is under contract through 2020, but there's nothing that stops him from walking away at the end of this season. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Any other, uh, any other chat on, on the incident? No, I think, uh, no sense in beating a dead horse anymore. I know for, I know formula one didn't like the response about it, but, you know, it goes back to that, like, there's essentially no bad publicity. Um, so everybody and their mother is talking about this event. Uh, they don't like it. They don't like the outcome. But, you know, Twitter blew up. And I know Sully's house blew up, that's for sure. So, yeah, <laughs> it's got people talking about F1. So, uh, all right. So let's move on to our uh, weekly awards. Um, so weekly rubbish. Who, who do you got for this? Who's your bad driver of the week? Rubbish. Um, I'm giving it to Vettel. You know, another mistake uh, being under pressure. I'm not going to let him escape that. Um, I know some people might be giving him driver of the day, feeling <laughs> bad, letting him win something, but uh, not me. 
some of those driver of the days confuse me. We've we've there's been a few that you and I have cra- scratched our heads on, like were they watching the same race we were? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think for me, since you you took Seb and I didn't want to be a anti Homer and and go with you know the, my boy's rival, but um, I'm gonna go with Raikkonen. So I don't know what the hell is going on with that car, and I know both drivers are struggling, but. Raikkonen gets out-qualified by his teammate Giovinazzi for, I think, only the second time this year. And then Gio spins in the middle of the race, and yet Raikkonen still finishes two places – or, excuse me, yeah, two places behind him on track. So, um, it either had to be between him or Magnussen because of his radio rant where he was screaming that this is the worst car he's ever driven, and Gunter Steyer <laughs> told him to shut the heck up which I, I'm starting to love Gunter more and more every every race. So uh, it had to be between those two. Maybe it's a tie. They both sucked up a storm this weekend. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think of uh, K-Mag there. <laughs> um, so I struggled with this. Next. I want to know if you had anybody. Do you have a weekly analysis paralysis award? Um, I think mean, I'm just going to stick with Ferrari and keep blaming them. Um, I'm going <laughs> to kick them while they're down for sure. And just for not telling Leclerc, um, you know, about the five-second penalty. And I thought they may have left him out a little bit too long uh, on his first stint, as usual. But nothing new there. Yeah, they, they screwed him on that first stint, got him back in traffic. And the boy had to fight a lot harder for third place than he needed to. Um, yeah, I mean, I, did, I didn't have anyone that, like, massively screwed up like Ferrari has, has typically done in weeks past. But – of all the teams that have strategy issues, the forgetting to tell them everything else. Um, yeah, let's just go Ferrari all the way. Let's let's consensus thought on this one. I think we, we're just going to name the award the Ferrari award <laughs> that we awarded. We really Ferrari should, honestly. We should. Yeah. Um, all right, so dark horse of the day, who you got? Uh, I got Mad Max. Um, I think the Honda seemed a little underpowered, even with how good Gazzy looked um, in practice and qualifying. I think he started in ninth, finished in fifth. Um, you know, didn't steal the day, but I thought he had a pretty good drive. And I'm just a big fan of Max more and more each each race. So nice. Um, let's see. I'm gonna steal one of yours. I think in my dark horse of the day. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go with your boy Lance Stroll, man. I. Uh, we talked about his, his qualifying pace. Don't worry, you can still use him for your other one. <laughs> I, I see your reaction over there um, across the street. I, the boy, at, you know, he was on a, an old engine that's much older than everybody else is. He had a horrific qualifying like he usually does, but the boy had some decent race pace, made some good overtakes, and got himself up into the points. So um, I had a couple of other guys in mind as well, but. You know, he, he overcame quite a bit. I don't remember where he started with all the penalties and everything, if it was 15th or 16th or something like that. But um, a pretty good day overall, and he made those that first set of tires last forever. Um, so I'll give it to him. It's probably the one and only time that I ever give anything to Lance Stroll that's positive. But <laughs> it's just it's home race. I wanted to make him feel a little bit better about himself. So, anyways. All right. Who's oh, your driver you. of the day? Well, he kind of stole my thunder there, but I'm going with my boy, the Canuck, Lance Stroll. Um, coming from all the way down in 17th up to 9th to score a couple points uh, for racing point there. Uh, you know, I think part of it is that he qualifies so terribly um, that he's able to make up a bunch of spots because I think he's, you know, below where he should be in that car, um, especially with the race pace he has. So, because um, I know he's got – like the most cars passed on the first lap over the last however many months it is, how many races. Um, I think part of that is just where he positions himself because of his lack of qualifying. Um, but I think it was a really strong race from him. And, you know, he he's a good kid. We just like to give him crap. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if he didn't, if he didn't drive for daddy's team, we probably would give him a lot less crap, but it's uh, yeah, it's true. it's hilarious when they make these jokes. Even on the commentators, they're making jokes now. Like, yeah, you know, they sent him out on that tire because you know they wanted to you know conserve tires for the weekend. Um, and then it was like, 
you know, it's not like he's paying for it. And then someone chimes in, well, he, he actually kind of is paying for his own tires. <laughs> it's, it's coming out of the, uh, the family account, bank account. So. Yeah. A little bit less than the trust fund. Yeah, exactly. So it is comical that even um, even uh, Sky Sports is starting to get into the uh, the daddy jokes. But um, all right, so my driver of the day, I'm gonna have like a, a tie. I think I'm gonna go with both the Renault drivers. Um, oh, okay. It uh, you know, it's been a really crappy year for them. We talked an episode or so ago about they've um, figured out what's going on with those engines. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, you know, this is, was clearly the best qualifying that they, that both drivers have had this year. Uh, and they didn't finish quite as well as they qualified, but both guys, well, you know, solidly into the points. Um, so I, I'm going to give it to both those guys. Uh, they needed some, some good mojo coming their way. So good for them. Yeah. I mean, people are going to be really confused. Uh, this is the first podcast of ours. They listen to and hear us talking all these good things about Lance Stroll and Renault. They're going to think we're, we're French Canadian fans, I guess. <laughs> well, I was cracking up when, when you texted me and told me that you were thanking Seb for your rubbish of the week. And then, then you're, I was like, okay, he's probably <laughs> joking. And then you said, yeah. And Lance Stroll is driver of the day. I'm like, what? I'm like, are you feeling all right, man? Like what the heck is going on? Somebody hit the bottle a little early or something. I don't know. What was so, yeah, go back and listen to our last episodes. We love giving uh, Ferrari crap for their uh, – even though you're a Ferrari fan with Leclerc, we love giving them crap for their god-awful uh, strategy calls. And then it's just Stroll, Stroll and Grosjean are just easy targets to make fun of on a weekly basis. So, oh, yeah, big time. Um, all right, so – Real quick recap of the driver's standings. Lewis, again, extended his lead with a, with the uh, quote-unquote race win. Uh, he's now 162 points. Uh, Botas is, uh, let's see my math there, what is that, 29 points behind. Um, so that's more than a race distance behind. Vettel, a good point save for him, even with the, the penalties up to 100 points. Um, and then it looks like, Max is slipping back a little, even at, a, at not a bad day. Leclerc is kind of getting back into it. Uh, we've only got just over a race distance between third and fifth place. So the kind of Formula 1.5, three through five guys are, are shaping up to be a pretty good battle. Uh, hopefully the top two guys are going to be a battle to the end, but Lewis is doing his thing and starting to creep away. So um next race we've uh, we've got france in um june 23rd uh but before we kind of get into a big announcement any final thoughts on the race itself at canada no i thought it was a pretty good race weekend overall um definitely enjoyed myself and definitely plan on making another trip to sully's house for another watch party i had a lot of fun yeah it was cool to hell as hell to see that many formula one fans in a city that's probably not known for f1 fans um, yeah, right. looks like every level, uh, Sully's is a multiple level bar and restaurant and every level was packed out watching the race. Every TV was on F1, audio was cranked up. So it was a cool experience and, um, yeah, for sure. We'll be doing that again. Definitely. All right. So, um, we've got a big, big announcement to make, um, that impacts both this podcast and, uh, some, another one as well. So, we uh, work on the Sunday Drive podcast. We are expanding our network out. So thanks to the absolutely incredible support that we get from uh, clearly from our Formula One fans across the world. I think we're in 15 different countries. We've got listeners, but then we've got just incredible support in the States as well um, from football, basketball, baseball, you name it. Uh, we, we're in basically almost every state across the country. Uh, so because of that support from you guys, we have decided to expand our network out. So moving forward, um, this podcast is now going to be the uh, Sports Talk Garage uh, podcast. And then with, uh, as a part of that, there's now a Sports Talk Garage network of which impacts James and I. So right now we've been sharing sharing the, uh, the podcast um, with our, our normal hosts, uh, Matt and David as well, talking kind of all sports and giving you the best sports from, from every single league across the world. Um, so because of that, and because of the love you guys have been giving us, we are now expanding it out to a second podcast. So James and I, uh, I'll be continuing on the uh, sports talk garage moving forward with David and Matt. 
Um, but James and I will be switching over to a dedicated Formula One only podcast where we're going to give you the best news, race previews, race reviews, and kind of anything that's uh, up our way. Drivers we want to make fun of, just any talking points we can think of um, to, to bring to you guys. And that one's going to be from the Outlap F1 podcast, which is going to be launching uh, next week. So we are extremely thrilled to be making this expansion and growing this network. And we know that uh, each podcast is going to help each other grow. And we thank you guys again for your support. So be sure to give us a follow Outlap F1 podcast on Twitter um, and on Instagram as well. So thank you again so much for the support guys, James. I don't know if you had any thoughts on it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm real excited to kick this off um, having a dedicated formula one podcast. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know what else to say besides I'm just really excited to get started with this and dig in. Um, we've been talking about it for a little bit um, and to be able to do it is, is, is awesome. Um, you know, Something that happened uh, on chance, just meeting you on Twitter and start talking about a Formula One back and forth um, to call it in the Sunday drive on one of your early episodes to give some of my thoughts. And then now we're starting a podcast specifically for Formula One. So um, I'm excited and, and grateful for the opportunity. So I'm ready to do some good things for the, the fans and, and give some good content to you all. Heck yeah. Yeah. It's been a, a long time coming and there's, been a lot of prep work going into launching the second podcast and launching the uh, Sports Talk uh, Garage Network. So um, thank you to, to you and obviously to, to Matt and David and Chris out there uh, for, for kind of making this all happen and, and getting all of us together to expand this out and bring you great content. So, um, all right, so let's call it a night. And um, we will be back for Formula One content on the Outlap F1 podcast moving forward and be sure to check out next week um on this podcast now with sports talk garage as we've got uh, hopefully a special guest that i think you guys will really enjoy in the world of sports so be sure to, to tune back in for that so until next time have a great night guys later thank you for listening to today's podcast if you have questions or feedback please email us at the Sunday drive podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to have your sports related question or comment featured on the show, leave us a voicemail at 704-251-9455. Also, if you're interested in staying up to date with us outside of the show, please follow us at Sunday drive underscore pod on Twitter and Facebook. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review and subscribe. If you want to hear more. Thanks for taking the time to listen. We sincerely appreciate it. So for Chris back in the studio, David and Matt, I'm John, and we are the Sunday Drive.